you're turning with me in your Bibles, we're going to be in James 1. James chapter 1 is where I'm going to start. I'm pretty good. I got what I need. I don't know. I guess I need to preach. That's what I came for was that worship. Today, I want to talk to you for the next few minutes, three hours. I want to talk to you for a while, but uh, I'll try to try to condense it. Uh, I want to talk to you for a few minutes about a test. I want you to think about a test. As we start out this morning, think about when you were in school. For those of you that went to school, who likes tests? Let me see a show of hands. Who likes tests? I can see like two hands in the whole room. Three, four. Four hands in the whole room. Those are the weird people. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Those are maybe those are the smart people. Probably that's what that's probably what it is. Smart people. I remember we homeschooled our kids until they were how old was Malachi when we put them in school? Fifth? Ten years old? Ten. So when we took him and Titus down here to West Harrelson to put them into public school, the very first thing they did was gave them a test. To see where they're at. To see if they're at the level they need to be, if they can go into the grade that they need to go in. Well, these poor dudes had never had a test. They've been schooled at home, so, you know, they were nervous as could be. Yeah, they had had tests from their mom, so it's a little different. All right. So they went into this new setting, their public school, and had to take these tests. And they told us, all right, well, they're at the level where they can be in the grade that they need to be in, but they may need a little extra help, right? Because they didn't score, like, super high on the test. Well, within, like, a couple weeks, they realized, wait, they don't need extra help. In fact... They're both going into, like, advanced classes. They're good. They just were nervous on the test. It was just hard for them to take the test. I don't do that well in test. Well, I seem to do okay in tests, but I don't like tests. They make me feel very nervous and sick and wondering what's coming next. Like, if I could know the questions ahead of time, I'd be okay. So... Yeah, it's excitement. Yeah, I'm just excited about the test. Yeah, it's not nerves. Um, but I guess I'm okay with it because I was one of the top 10 students ever to attend my school. Academically, in sports, everything. I was one of 10 that were homeschooled, so. But I was in the top 10 ever to attend my school. Wah, wah. But then, after my kids were in school, every single year, at the end of the year, you know what they did? Had to take a test. That one first test wasn't good enough. Every single year, y'all know this, they make you take another test. Why? To see if you're ready. To see if you're smart enough to advance to the next level. 
Otherwise, guess what you get to do? Do it again. Stay where you're at. Ooh. Now it's starting to sound like some of our lives. I'm stuck. Well, I'm ready for the next level, God. Have you passed the test? Are you really ready? Y'all ever play any video games? No, when I play, I guess I'm, I'm a little old. I'm not sure what you got to do to advance to the next level on the, on the new games. I know on Super Nintendo, when you're playing Mario, you got to beat Koopa. Get to the next level, right? You don't beat him. You don't get to go. You don't get to move on to the next level. You can't beat the game. It's a test. And it seems like in life to us, it's getting tested. There's always something coming up. It's coming against us. It feels like sometimes we laugh about it when we're telling funny stories or talking about video games or about kids. Yeah, it's obvious why they get tested. But then when we think about our own lives, it gets really kind of hits close to home. We make excuses. Or we blame other people. Well, I can't, but that's easy. So you failed a test. I've failed a bunch of them. That's going to happen. You're not going to ace every test. What do you need to do? Study. Study and take it again. Don't quit. And don't stay. You got to change. Do something different. Change what you're doing. You lost the fight. Okay. Train harder, get a new trainer, and fight again. Or deal with that loss for the rest of your life. Get up and take a test. When you have a baby, Joe and Hannah aren't here today. They just got home from the hospital a couple days ago. Um, So you'll see them next week. You'll see Lawton, our newest member He's beautiful, cute, perfect little baby that Joe and Hannah had. Thank y'all to all your prayers. If y'all didn't know, they're home now and good. I'm just trying to get a little bit of rest. It was kind of a rough delivery, but they're at home. Guess what? I went in there and talked to Joe. You know what he told me? As soon as Lawton was born, they started testing him, making sure he's breathing. And they're going to check his ears and do blood work and they check his eyes to make sure they're working and they do all these tests on him. He's just born. Now, 15 minutes ago, he wasn't even breathing. Isn't that good enough? No. We're going to test everything about him. And guess what? If he fails the test, we're not going to let him go home. So it starts the minute we're born. Start testing. But if the baby passes the test, you get to go home. Y'all know the only, when I was thinking about this stuff, the only license that we give out without a test is a marriage license. Maybe we should make a test. (laughs) I'm, I'm just saying. So me, me and Jesse are about to start some premarital counseling with um, Zach and Heather. And guys, we've come up with a test. If y'all don't pass, I'm not preaching the wedding. <laughs> All right. 
It's going to be easier for Heather than Zach. I'm just saying. It's the only license we're handing out that you don't have to take a test to get. Like, if you want to go get a driver's license, like, we got Titus sitting up here with his learner's permit. He needs some more practice. All right, he thinks he's good, but he's not. <laughs> he drove me up here to youth last night. He, he needs some practice, okay? They're not going to give you a driver's license unless you can pass the test. Some of y'all need to take another driving test, right? Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> you don't know who you are, but we know who you are. We passed you on Buncombe Waco Road. <laughs> you might need to take another test. So life is a series of tests. And so is your spiritual life. And if you can get the right perspective on that, it'll help you to move on. It'll help you to grow. It'll help you to be who God's called you to be. It's a series of tests, just like all those natural tests I've been naming about from the time you're born to get a driver's license to all these tests in school and these tests to advance to the next level. Your spiritual life is the same. And God sends you these tests. And when you pass the test, you move on. We make the mistake sometimes of thinking like, if I win this battle, then my prize will be peace. No, your prize is the next battle. Hate to tell you that. Sounds discouraging, but it's not. Because you're growing and you're moving on and you're taking more ground. But you got to pass the test or you'll get stuck. And so many people just get stuck where they are. They get stuck on the same level and they never grow. And 10 years from now, they're the same place they were. And 20 years, they're the same. Age doesn't equal spiritual maturity and growth, your natural age. You can be old and... Sorry, I just haven't saw y'all's faces on the face app when you got old. <laughs> life is a series of tests, and so is your spiritual life. Let's look at what James says. James, this is Jesus' brother. He wrote this book, and we know James. It seems like we've been looking at some different scriptures, some verses that James wrote here lately. James writes this in James chapter 1, verse 2. My brethren... Count it all joy or strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Count it all joy. When you fall into diverse, the word diverse is all kinds, temptations. Count it all joy. That's hard. You want me to count it all joy when I fall into all kinds of temptations? Well, what does that word temptations mean? It's a Greek word. It was translated in English to us, temptations. It means test, trial, temptation, test. It's a test. All kinds of tests, all kinds of temptations, all kinds of trial. James says, count it all joy. How? Verse 3, knowing this, that the trying... Or the testing of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect 
or mature and entire, wanting nothing. The Message Bible words it like this. James 1, verse 2 in the Message Bible says, Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. I don't know about y'all, but I'm not that spiritually mature yet. I'm working on it. Maybe a couple of them I've considered it. Wait, how did it word it? A sheer gift? When tests come and challenges? Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open. And it shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Stop trying to get out of stuff prematurely. Let it work. It's for a reason. Don't try to just get out of it and run away from pain. Let it work. Learn, grow, get stronger, get better. Don't get bitter. Let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed. Not deficient in any way. James said, let it work for you. Pass the test so you can move on. That's what James was saying right there. I just so happened to have a 20-pound dumbbell sitting here in my pulpit. <laughs> Isn't that convenient? <laughs> Let me sit that right here. <clears throat> now, this is a weight. It's that same word, weight. Test. Trial. Temptation. Handicap. Now imagine I walk up and I hand you this dumbbell. And I say, here's your weight. Carry it well, my friend. You're going to need it. I'm going to need it. This is a temptation. This is a handicap. This is a trial. This is a weight. This is a test. If I carry this 20-pound dumbbell in this one left hand and never switch hands, and I carry it like this all day long, guess what? By the end of the day, I'm going to be walking like this. And by the end of about a week, I'm probably not even going to be able to walk. Because I'm carrying it in the wrong way. And I'm looking at it wrong. And eventually, this 20-pound dumbbell will put me in a wheelchair. And I won't be able to walk without some serious help from the chiropractor. I'm going to mess myself up. And if it goes on long enough and I don't figure out how to lay down this weight or carry it well, let it work for me, then I'll be paralyzed. I won't be able to walk and it will be permanent damage that can't be restored. You've seen some older people that walk just super hunched over. and Eventually, that can't be straightened up by a chiropractor. It's gone on so far. Now, if I carry this weight well, and I use it with wisdom, what the master or the person that handed it to me had in mind, and I can sit here and curl this thing, and I switch it to the other hand, 
And I can curl it with this arm, but not as many times because that's my right arm and I'm left-handed. <laughs> may not be that strong over there. But I can lift this thing back here and do some tricep exercises and I can do... I didn't have time to get a good workout in this week, so I thought I'd mix it in with my preaching. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> if I carry it well, it will give me muscles that will help me win my next battle. It will make me healthier. It can make me run my race faster because it'll strengthen my legs. It'll, if I carry it well and use it well and pass the test, it'll make me better. But if I let it, this weight, this temptation, this burden, this thing that's been put on me will break me down and paralyze me to the point where I won't even be able to move. I won't be able to walk, much less win a battle, win a fight. I'm going backwards. Same weight can do both. The same weakness can do both. The same test can do both. The same trial in your life can do both. It's up to you. You choose. It's all a perspective. What will you do with the weight that's been put on you? I don't think it's just you. Oh, God, life just piles it on me. I wish I was like him. Nothing gets put on him, and if it did, he's big and muscular enough to handle it. Maybe he's big and muscular because he's been handling his stuff. And that's what gave him those muscles because of the things that he's walked through the right way with the right perspective. It's a weight. It's a test. Depending on how you look at it and what you do with it, it can prepare you for what will come. It can make you strong enough to win the fight. Why is my weight so heavy? I can't take one more thing. Then you must have a big destiny. Because if I need bigger muscles, I'm going to need a bigger weight. So if you got a whole bunch of weights that life or God or circumstances or whatever has piled on you, then I would say you have a big destiny. And you need to be strong. Carry it well. Life is filled with tests, trials, temptations, problems. I got 99 problems. That's one of them. Stop. Problems. If you could not look at it as a problem, change your perspective. Don't look at tests as problems. Look at it as an opportunity. This is an opportunity that's in my life. It's a weakness, a temptation. It's a, it's a test, but it's an opportunity for me to advance to the next level. If we could just change that one thing in our mind, to look at it as an opportunity instead of a problem. Oh, God, I got another problem. I can't take one more problem. Can you take another opportunity? I can. Sign me up for opportunities. That's changed in here. It's a perspective. Look at it as an opportunity. Or proving grounds. 
proving grounds um, is they use that in the like in the marketplace, but to, like testing things. So like if you have an Apple Watch and it's waterproof, well, guess what? Before they were allowed to advertise that that thing was waterproof, they had to do what? Put it in the water. It had to go underwater. It had to go deep in the water to make sure it could last under the pressure deep down in the water. It, it has to have gone in the water. I was in deep meditation yesterday on YouTube. You ever get lost on YouTube when you're trying to look up something and then you end up watching all kind of other stuff that nothing bad just so anyways they have these bear proof trash cans it's actually kind of interesting if you get a chance go on YouTube and look this up bear proof trash can a bear cannot get in this thing okay you know how they test that interesting go look it up they put fish and all kind of stuff that bears love in the trash can lock the lid and they put it out there with the bears and they actually give you a certification for your cooler or your trash can or whatever it is that you're trying to get bear proof they have bears under their employee these bears have day jobs their job is to bust into trash cans coolers or whatever and most of the time they get in them so that's why it was so interesting to watch on YouTube. I mean, these bears come out. They'll put a cooler sitting out there, and then they release the bears. To get the certification, your product has to hold up under a bear attack for at least 60 minutes. The bear has a timer. He's got one hour to destroy whatever product you put in front of him. Man, I watched him rip apart Yeti coolers and all kind of stuff. They, you don't get the certification. You can't call your product bear-proof unless it holds up under a bear attack for one hour. I don't know, maybe it's just me, but it was kind of interesting. So this one trash can, this guy was so, they'd, they'd have like the makers of the, the products out there like, yeah, we've been working on that thing for a year. He ain't getting in that. It's still reinforced around the top with a Rubbermaid top. And, and the bear would be out there just like <laughs> jumping on it. And you'd see him like, he peeled the top off of this cooler while the maker and inventor was standing there talking about how good it was. And the, the lady was like, um, looks like he's getting inside. <laughs> and he, the bear reaches in and just chomping down on the fish. And the guy's like, hmm. well, I guess it's back to the drawing board. One of the trash cans that I saw, it made it through the test. This bear bit on it, pulled on it, chewed on it, picked it up, slammed it down on rocks, couldn't get in it. So they got the certification. This thing is now bear-proof, and they got a contract with Lowe's to sell bear-proof trash cans. It got the label they were looking for. But only after it had been attacked for an hour. Why am I under attack? Maybe there's a label that God wants to put on you. But He can't put the label on you until you've been through it. Otherwise, it'd be a lie. You can't put bear proof on a trash can and sell it in the hardware store if it's not bear proof. God's got some callings and some purpose and some labels that He wants to put on your life, but He can't stamp you with that label until you've been through the test and proven that you can make it through. 
that your faith and your trust and your hope is strong enough to make it out the other side and not be destroyed. You got to pass the test. But that's hard when the bear's chewing on your head. You get it. We just want that certification. God, make me what I'm called to be. God, give me a church. God, make me a pastor. God, give me a family. God, send me a spouse. God, whatever it is on our list. And God's like, I got it. I will. Just pass the test. Pass the test. The proving grounds. If you're not ready, it would be a lie. Think about David. He was the greatest king that Israel has ever known. He had more victories. He took more land. He's the most famous. Even people that aren't Christians or don't read the Bible have heard of David. David and Goliath. It's a metaphor for sports. and I mean, even he's the most famous king there was. And I was sitting around thinking about David. He had some pretty impressive certifications or labels. He was a giant slayer, a warrior. Um, one of the most impressive to me was the Bible calls him a man after God's own heart. It's a pretty impressive label. You know how many tests he had to go through to advance to that level, to the level of victory he saw in his life, to the level of being known as a man after God's own heart? Did he ever fail? Oh, yeah. <laughs> he messed up big time. A lot. It's not about being perfect. It's not about never failing a test. Thank God, because we've all failed tests. That's not what it's about. Failure didn't stop him. Look at Psalms 26 too. Look what David wrote. I'll read it to you in the Message Bible. Examine me, God, from head to foot. Hey, God, examine me. We see David saying stuff like this all the time throughout the Psalms. Examine me from head to foot, from the things I think about, to the places I go. Order your battery of tests. What? He's asking for tests. Make sure I'm fit inside and out. That's a scary prayer to pray, David. Hey, God, send the test. Make sure I'm fit inside and out, head to toe. Bring it on. You're a little crazy there, bud. That's a scary prayer to pray. Why? Verse 3. Why was David saying that? So I never lose sight of your love. Perspective. If you look at tests, trials, and temptations as problems, it's easy to lose sight of God's love. If you see it as a problem. But keep in step with you, never missing a beat. If you see the testing as opportunities, then you never wonder about His love. You don't lose sight of God's love. And if you can see it, then you can do it. You'll be in step, in sync with Him. Like David said there, you'll ne never miss in a beat. Another place David said, test me. 
and see if there be any wicked ways in me. Test me, God. Bring on the test. Give me another opportunity. I'm ready to pass that test too. God, test me. And if I fail the test, then I'll know, hey, it shines a light on that wicked way so that I can fix it. I can study more. I can train more. I can figure out those dark. Go ahead. Test me. Why? Because I'm not satisfied staying here on this level. I want to keep moving forward. I want to keep getting stronger. It was David's attitude and mentality. Test me, God. See if there's any wicked way. Why? Because David looked at tests as opportunities. Not as problems. You know, when David was a boy, he had a nine-foot test. That giant. It was a test. And I was thinking about that some last week. You know, Saul was king at time at that time when David came and killed Goliath. And we all know the story. David, the teenage boy, comes and, and he kills this giant Goliath and stuff. But guess what? Saul was there. Saul was anointed by Samuel. The same person that anointed David. With the same horn of anointing oil. They were both anointed by Samuel. And that giant was a test, a problem, a trial, a tribulation to both of them. Saul was more qualified to take care of that. Saul was more qualified to pass that test. He had had training. He had armor. He was a grown man. He had the same anointing that David had. He was called by the same person, had the same call of God on his life that David had, but he had more experience. Saul was more qualified to take out that giant than David. But Saul let his fear keep him from passing that test. David said, I'm afraid, but I will not be motivated by my fear. I'll take the test. I'll run down the hill. I trust God enough to go after it. If I fail, I fail. I'm going for it. Take the test. Both were qualified. But Saul was scared. He let fear and feelings take over. And the giant was a problem to Saul. It was an opportunity to David. It was a problem for Saul. It was embarrassing. And to David, it was an opportunity that propelled him into fame, into the palace, into the place that God had for him. Look what Jesus did in John 6. John 6, verse 5. Check this out. The boys. Remember when Jesus fed the 5,000 people with the boys' lunch? This one, one kid had a Lunchable that he was willing to give, and, and it ended up feeding 5,000 men and all their wives and stuff. So right before that, right before Jesus fed all of them, look what he says. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he said unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? Hey, Philip, where can we go buy some bread for all these people to eat? Verse 6 said, 
And this he said to prove or test. The word prove is test. This he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Jesus already knew what he was going to do. He already knew that the kid had a Lunchable and that the kid had a generous heart and was going to give it to him and that he was going to feed all the people. And Jesus already knew. He just set this whole thing up to test Philip. Just to give Philip a test. He already knows the answer to your problem. To that thing that's in front of you, that problem. He already knows the answer. The test is for you. The test is to give you strength. It's to test your faith. It's to give you trust. It's for you. He's already got it figured out. He already knows. He already knew what he would do. Has it ever occurred to you that nothing has ever occurred to God? God's never been like, whoa, yeah, you're right. I never thought of that. No. <laughs> yeah, he already knew. Nothing's ever occurred to him. He, he already knew. He's not surprised. One time there was a blind man. And he was on the side of the road and he was screaming, Jesus, son of David. Have mercy on me. And the crowd and the disciples told him to be quiet. Hush. Be shh, shh. And he screamed louder, the Bible says. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus came near to him and healed him. And we get the story in the Bible and we've preached on that story and different aspects of that story. But as I was thinking about it this time, I was thinking, you know what? That was a test when he was told to be quiet. When the crowd around him said, hey, be quiet, he could have just shut his mouth. And he would have lived blind the rest of his life. And he could have believed in Jesus and believed he was the Messiah. And one day gotten saved and died and gone to heaven, but he would have lived the rest of his life blind and never seen a breakthrough and never seen the miracle of God. And he could have spent the rest of his life looking back saying, yeah, I believe in Jesus. And one time he came close to me and I was right there on the curb and I could hear his footsteps. And he was there. And he could look back to that moment in the past and never live the future that he could have had if he didn't pass the test. And they told him to be quiet. He said, no, I'm not going to be quiet. Jesus, have mercy on me. I don't want to look back on my past. See moments that I was tested. And I failed the test and just walked away. Oh well, I guess it wasn't God's will. 
he passed the test and he got healed. Y'all remember, I don't guess, I don't think they do it anymore, but uh, remember how the, like, the lines used to shoot across the TV screen and make a horrible noise and like, <laughs> something like that. I don't know what that, sorry, that sounded like Cardi B. No, like, <laughs> just kidding. The, uh, the lines and it would say, uh, this is a test of the emergency broadcasting network. Warning, this is only a test. Oh, they still do it? I haven't seen it. This is only a test. And it warns you. Man, I wish I had that kind of warning built in. Warning, moron approaching. This is only a test. I mean, then I know, hey, it's a test. I'll pass it. Right? I mean, like if somebody could just tell me, hey, you're about to be in a hard situation, but it's a test. You pass it. Come on, some of y'all are giving me looks like you're all spiritual and you don't think stuff like that. Come on. Let's be real. It's a test. I wish I had a warning, but we don't get warnings because then it wouldn't be a real test. Then I wouldn't get stronger. I wouldn't learn how to trust. I wouldn't have the faith that I have to have to do what I'm called to do. I'd be too weak to walk in my destiny. If I had a warning, although it would be easier. So I'm going to wrap up to come your way. I've got 547 different tests that you will probably go through in your life or may come your way. You ready for them? Well, I'm just going to tell you about three of them because I don't know. 547 might take a minute. I narrowed it down to three that I think as Christians we've probably all been through, probably in the middle of one or some of them, or either we're headed to them. The first one is the test of small things. It's the test of small things. Remember the scripture that says, He who is faithful in little will be made steward over much. Are you faithful with what you have? Right? Are you faithful with the money that you have? Are you faithful with the ministry that you have? Are you faithful with the family that God's given you? Are you faithful with, with the small things? Are you, or are you just begging God for something more, more, bigger, bigger, better, better, but you're not faithful with what you have? The test of small things. Are you faithful? Are you using what you have for Him? You can pray for more all day long, but he sees what you're doing with what you have. Right? That same old thing like the person that won't tithe off $100, they're not going to tithe when they hit the lottery either. Are you faithful in a little? Because then you'll be made steward over much. The second one is the wilderness test. I call it the wilderness test, but what I mean by that is just that the dry times, the in-between time. Remember the children of Israel were rescued out of slavery? So that's like a picture of our salvation. We were slaves to sin. Jesus died on the cross and set us free. So we're saved. So we're out of slavery. The minute we're saved. But we're not walking in the promise, the promised land, the fullness of all that God has for us. 
you can be in the middle in that wilderness and it's a test and we go through seasons in life that seem dry. It's like it's like that time when you're in the middle of a breakdown and a breakthrough and you're just somewhere in the middle like waiting like where it's the test. Will you be obedient? Hey Moses, you gonna obey me? It's the wilderness test. When things are dry, when you're not walking fully in the promise and the purpose and you don't see everything coming together yet, can you trust then? Can you obey and still obey me then? In the wilderness. Third one. It's the test of time. The test of time. Are you getting bitter or better? We talked about, I think, last week. Are you like a gallon of milk? You're just getting spoiled and bad and you're getting bitter and nasty. Or are you like a good wine that you just get better, sweeter with time? Can I look at your life and see growth? Are you getting better? Do the trials and the hard times and the weights and the things that you go through, are they making you better or are they making you angry and bitter and upset? Bitterness comes from unhealed wounds. From hurts that never healed properly. If you've got a lot of bitterness in your life, you've probably got some wounds and some hurts that were never healed. Maybe it was self-inflicted wounds, and maybe it was wounds and hurts, that things that other people did to you, or maybe, but it'll cause bitterness. There's no healing, and time will show. Fast forward 10 years from now and see if you're better. Man, I'd like to think that if you went out, left the day and got on an airplane and had a plane crash and you were on some desert island for like 30 years and you came back, when you came back in 30 years and you looked at me, I'd look pretty old. But I hope I'm not still the same as I am spiritually. I hope my life doesn't even look the same, that it's so much better and that I'm doing so much more and I've advanced the kingdom and, and I'm a powerhouse and, and my preaching and my revelation and my worship and that I've just grown so much. I look at some people and decades go by and they're about the same as they were or worse. They're more bitter. You know, some old people are like just so full of wisdom. And man, I have lunch up at Holland every, I don't know, every few weeks, every once a month or something like that with, with a guy I call my spiritual grandpa, Steve. He brings Grandpa Charlie. And they just kind of pour wisdom into my life. And they tell me Bible verses that God's been speaking to them. And they tell me about dreams and visions that they've had. And, and that I sit there most of the time and just let them talk and kind of pour into me. Because with their old age, they've got wisdom. They've seen a lot of ministry. They've helped a lot of people. And they're just better. They're better with age. And then I know some older people that are up in their 70s or 80s, and they're just bitter. Mm, a bad mood, bad this happened, that happened. I don't have like My body's breaking down. It's complaints and bitter. I don't want to get bitter. I want to pass the test of time. I'm going to get better and better. 
the test of small things, the wilderness test, the test of time. In Luke 5, um, before Jesus kind of like had Peter on his team, we know that Peter would become a disciple and uh, that Peter would be a big part of, of Jesus' team. But in the gospel, really throughout the whole earth. But at this time, Jesus shows up and he saw two ships. There were two of them standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. That means they were done. So there was nobody in the boats. All right? Paint this picture. And he, Jesus, entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's. We know Simon's going to get his name changed to Peter. It was Simon's. And prayed him or begged him, some translations say, asked him after he was already in it that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and he taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a drought. So we read that like it's a wonderful Bible, Bible story and we just kind of read over it, but that was kind of weird. In fact, that was kind of illegal. You can't just go jump in somebody's boat and then ask them if you can borrow it. If you can use it. You don't think that's kind of weird? Well, okay, right after church, you just go outside and pick somebody that... Nathan's got a pretty nice new truck out there. Go get in Nathan's truck, sit in the driver's seat, if it's unlocked, and just sit there and wait on him to come out. So that might be what happened here because... Peter wasn't in the boat. Jesus got in the boat, and then all of a sudden, Peter's having a conversation with him. Probably because Peter looked up from washing his nets and was like, who's this joker in my boat? Just like Nathan's going to be when you're sitting in his truck. What do you think you're doing in my truck? Oh, I want to borrow it. Looks pretty nice. Jump in and take me to Tallapoosa. Is Nathan going to jump in and take you to Tallapoosa? He might. Maybe. <laughs> Probably not. But it's kind of weird. That's what happened here. And as I was reading that story and I'm looking like, man, that's weird. It was like a test for Peter. Hey, I want to borrow your boat. Launch out a little bit. Jesus was using it to preach to the people. But you know what? Jesus didn't need Peter's boat. We know that Jesus could have walked on the water and preached to him. We know that there was another boat sitting right beside Peter's boat that was probably pretty close to the same boat. He could have jumped in that boat, and we'd know that guy is part of the Bible. Right? Jesus, for some reason, he liked Peter's boat. He wanted to use Peter's boat. It probably wasn't perfect. Probably had some flaws and stuff, but Jesus decides he wants to use... Peter's boat and I feel like today as I close the service God wanted me to say to somebody in here that he wants to use your boat he wants to use your boat 
He doesn't need it. He can walk on water. He, he can use another boat. It's, it's going to get done. He doesn't need it, but He wants it. He wants your boat. Man, for me, I think about giving. Like giving my money to church. I used to think it was because God needed my money. Needs it to keep the lights on and to pay everything around here that needs to be paid and the insurance and all the bills and stuff. So God needs my money and needs me to chip in. And that's an immature way of thinking about it because as I got older and as I grew in my relationship, now I know He wants my heart. My heart's just, it's connected to my money. I thought he needed my boat. Thought he needed my money. But he just wants me to be a part. He wants me to be a part of his story. And he wanted Simon to be a part of his story, of God's story. And he gave him a test. Hey, man, I like your boat. Three years later, Peter would look back and realize he was a huge part of changing the world. His life would never be the same. Once he let Jesus borrow his boat, we know that things would change. What if Jesus could have just said to him, Hey, hey Simon, I like your boat. Can I use it? Hey man, I want you on my team. I like your boldness. Man, I know you didn't get picked to be one of the, the rabbis and you're a fisherman and that, but, but I like your boldness. I know you can get violent. Yeah, I know. You can get so angry, you'll pull out a sword and cut people's ears off. I understand. You got a, you got a violent anger issue. And I know there's some brokenness, but I want to use it, Simon. And if you let me use your boat, eventually I'm going to change your name. Believe it or not, I love you. And by the time the next three years of ministry go by, you'll understand what real love is. And people are going to be talking and preaching about you 2,000 plus years from now. The Catholics are going to really like you. <laughs> but I need you to pass this test, Simon. I need you to let me use your boat. I need you to push out. Give me a little bit of your time, too. Can I use your boat? Yeah, okay. Now I need you to outwork. Drive it. It's usually how it works. There'll be lots of tests. You're going to fail some. But don't quit. At the end of my life, you're going to flunk three in a row. Deny me, deny me, deny me, F, F, F. But don't worry. You're going to pass. But Jesus couldn't tell him all of that. Because then he wouldn't have the trust. He wouldn't have the faith that he needed to be a world changer. He had to pass the test. He had to give his boat. He had to give his time. He had to fail some. And keep on.
question for you today is, can God borrow your boat? Can God borrow your business, your marriage, your money, your time, your stuff, your talents, the, the thing you're good at? That's what Peter was good at, was fishing. That's what he did. Can God borrow your boat? That's the test. He gives you stuff, and then he asks for it. Much like a teacher that teaches you the answers and then gives you a test. And then the teacher's silent while you're taking the test. Let's see. 2 Corinthians 4, 8. And this is it. Last scripture. We're done. 2 Corinthians 4, 8. Y'all remember Paul? We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Wow. Paul carried his weight well. He fought the good fight. The good fight, remember Paul talking to Timothy about the good fight? The good fight of faith. It's the fight where you're motivated by love. You're fighting for something, not against something. You're fighting against something, you're motivated by hate. If you are fighting for something, you're motivated by love. So that's the good fight is the one that you're motivated by love. I fought the good fight. I've learned how to be motivated by love. I learned how to pass the test. He fought the good fight. He said, I finished my course. I've run my race. Did he mess up? Oh, yeah. Paul messed up bad. He used to kill Christians. Yeah, he messed up. But he kept giving what he had. He kept giving his boat. He passed test after test after test after test. He got thrown in prison and he chose to worship. Uh, We can look at all kind of tests that he passed. He was faithful in the small things test. He was faithful in all the little things. And he was obedient in the wilderness. And he got better with time, not bitter. Can God have your boat? It's a test. Let's pray. God, thank you. God, thank you that you're real. Thank you for speaking to our hearts and our minds. God, help us to change our perspective and not look at weights as a problem, but look at it as an opportunity. God, today we give you our boat. Yeah, take it. Use it. I take my time and my talents and my energy and all that I am. Yeah, you can have it. Take it. God, we trust you. Grow us up. 
teach us to be the men and women, the sons and daughters that you've called us to be. We love you. Thank you for grace and mercy. In Jesus' name, amen.